Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, I've got some Netflix news as they respond to my Facebook rant. We have a little bit of controversy with the artists coming out in support of firefighters here locally. Some Benny Chan news with a retrospective before his film Call of Heroes gets released. And we talk about the latest from director Wilson Chin, Kidnap Ding Ding Don. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and coming to us from his news desk in a fishball shop in Saigon is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hey there, Paul. Hello, sir. How's it going? I'm all right. Uh, you know, I had a bit of a short holiday over the weekend. Uh, came yeah, you, back to Taipei. You were in, in, in Taiwan from uh, what I saw on the Facebook posts, right? Yeah, yeah, I just took off on a Friday night and then came back on Sunday evening, went and uh, caught a few movies, bought some DVDs, ate, yeah, and uh, that's all I did, yeah, that was yeah. fun. So so was this a uh, uh, a bachelor expedition, or were you uh, accompanied by a significant other? No, I was by myself, okay. I was by myself. Okay. So yeah. just, just a film, a film fishing ex- expedition, basically? Well, it, it, any expedition that I take outside of Hong Kong is a film expedition, really. So I, wherever I go, I try to see, see, you know, find films to watch. And of course, uh, Taipei, you can't really go to Taipei and not find places to eat. And, you know, that those two things already occupied, you know, a 48-hour trip. So uh, I guess, you know, the big world news going on right now doesn't really relate to anything we're going to talk about, but I just thought I'd mention it, is the whole Brexit thing, right? Um any 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 chance this is going to come back and impact us here in Hong Kong? It's not definitely not going to drive more commerce to Hong Kong cinema, right? Well, no. The thing is, it, it's well. First of all, you it's affecting the local film industry uh, because a lot of it gets EU funding. So if we're staying on topic, uh, it is going to affect uh, the independent EU, uh, or at least the British film industry. You know, ones that. And especially the films that get you know funding from because really, the EU apparently gives them a lot of money for films, um, and that includes the film that won the Palme d'Or this year, the um, Ken Loach film. Mm. Uh, in terms of currency switching, I work in the office of a lot of British people, and um, last Friday not only were they depressed because they voted to to remain, um, they also uh, began uh, exchanging a lot of pounds because suddenly it devalued quite quickly. So. So you you might have actually a, a bit of a drive for tourism for for England uh, from Hong, from Hong Kong. Yeah, I had a I have a friend, well a, a classmate actually in the, the uh, Cantonese class I've been studying, and he was basically saying because he worked, I, he's from Europe, but he worked in the UK for like twenty years, and he was explaining that because of the way the pension system works, he's got a kind of pension benefits that will be coming at some point but now with the separation he's not sure if he's gonna have to like go back and and suddenly try and reclaim as much as he can or you know i guess it's gonna be you know an economic nightmare for for quite a few people 
um, as an American kind of looking in from the outside, it just feels like the craziness of the United States has suddenly creeped over to Europe, and, and I don't know what's going on. It, it's, it feels like, you know, they've, they've been infected by Trumpism or something. Um, no, apparently, you know, remember we, we left, America left that country, you know, for, you know, we, the whole thing about, you know, how the, uh, uh, we leave, I don't know what the, what the word is for the people who want to leave. What is the, the correct term? If you want to leave, they were all like, they want their independence, which is really ironic for us because we were like, so many countries got their independence from you. Right, but, <laughs> like, but, but like, this is like, this is, in the case of the states, it's almost like if Texas, you know, Texas has long said that they want to separate from the union, right? So if they would have a great sort of Texit somehow and they would actually get be able to leave the United States, leave the Union of the United States, right? Well, no, um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that because the European Union is such a young thing. And first of all, I mean, all these countries were independent nations to begin with. And it came, it's not really a political entity, right, mm -hmm. to begin with. So it's not like the United States, which brought in these, these states. You were The way you were bringing it is almost like saying that Shanghai is going to leave China or something, right? Yeah. Um, um, more appropriately, Hong Kong, right? I mean. Yeah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's, it's kind of hard to, I can't really find an equivalent of a situation, but it's certainly going to be hugely affected, especially, again, bringing it back to um, here, uh, in in the area and in the film industry, you know, China has has a, had a plan, or they were planning to sign a deal with the European Union trade deal, and I'm sure that the cultural industries include that. But the problem is, um, Brit Britain was one of the bigger supporters of that trade deal. So without Brit Britain in there, China is going to renegotiate a new trade deal with the European Union and possibly a a separate deal with with England. And will that go forward? And how would that affect the film industry? You know about the co-productions that were possibly planned for for those between those two two two, two entities. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I guess you know for any of our British friends and listeners out there, um, uh, I feel for you. You know the, the the wave of conservatism that has sort of rolled over everything. Um, but uh, we'll just have to keep looking on from afar and hope things turn out for the best. But we're not here to talk politics, are we? We're here to talk movies and movie stuff. So let me throw it back over to Kevin, and we'll get into our official news for this week uh, at his news desk. Here at the news desk, I, I guess this is the so-called weekly Netflix update. Yeah. <laughs> this just in. So, yeah, this is... um. I had a little bit of a Facebook rant, I want to say about uh, two weeks ago, when uh, they released one of their new supposedly original series, um, the new Voltron series, um, and they had plastered advertising for this um, all across Facebook, and one of these advertise advertisements came across my feed, and I turn over to my Hong Kong Netflix, and it's nowhere to be found. And so this new series... Voltron Legendary Defender is co-produced through DreamWorks, and I guess it's also the animation itself is done by the team who was responsible for um, Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated show, not the movie, and of course uh, the follow-up series uh, Legend of Korra, both which I really, really enjoyed very much. So I was really looking forward to this series, and I was very disappointed when I saw this advertising for this Netflix original, and it did not appear anywhere. Um in my stream. 
and or on my wish list or on anything to do with with Netflix. And, and this is a show that is based upon, you know, if you're not familiar with the Voltron series, giant, you know, four giant uh, lion robots that form a larger giant robot defender, very much based on Japanese style anime in the original shows. And it's had several incarnations. I would have thought that this would have been something that would have been primed for um, Asia release across, you know, Netflix's Asia platforms, but not there. So uh, I kind of had just had enough on that particular day, and I wrote a very short little couple sentences. I said, you know, hey, Netflix, what's up? And I tagged them, and I said, you know, where this is an original series, what is our money not as green as the money in, in the States? And didn't get an immediate response, but I finally did get a response. I want to say, you know, a few, few days later, and they said basically the uh, form letter response, but they said, hi, the licensing structure originally in place with DreamWorks means some shows signed in the old agreement, like Voltron Legendary Defender, are only available to Netflix members in some countries currently. We've since expanded the deal, which allow all current original series produced by DreamWorks to become available to Netflix members everywhere but they will only be available on Netflix after it airs on broadcast locally at a later date. Stay tuned. So I'm not really sure what that means um, in terms of the contractual side of it, but it sounds like they've got some kind of deal in place with DreamWorks that it's gonna it's got to air locally across some kind of local affiliate before it can get over to Netflix. Which sounds kind of lame still. You know, you would think that going forward that anything that they were going to put under the original label content would get priority before going to a local distributor. But maybe, you know, that this will get worked out and hammered out in the next year or so. And this will be less of an issue for us international subscribers. I, I have noticed, though, that the new season of uh, Dragon's Race to the Edge also partnered with DreamWorks through Netflix as an original series is also still not on um, Hong Kong Netflix. And uh, as one friend in a group says, you know, uh, anytime something like this happens, he just puts on his pirate voice and says, it's time to head to the bay. Um, not that I condone this kind of thing, but I do think that it's, you know, every year we go further into this and this still remains an issue. Um, it gets that much more frustrating, particularly with these shows that don't get availability in other, you know, in other outlets like Amazon or DVD or uh, other versions because they're kind of caught up in this virtual streaming limbo, as it were. Right. Uh, again, it's that, you know, really painful kind of transition period between old licensing models and what Netflix is trying to do. Um, I guess DreamWorks... Um, they had a job. Their their sales department had a job, and that, and that was to sell the shows to as many regions as possible. You know, to local affiliates, and I'm sure uh, it's probably TVB. Let's face it. Uh, and and I guess that they have to you know pl stay remain you know true to the obligation to their local affiliates when they sell the shows, um, and yet still you know please. You know Netflix, which is giving considerable amount of money to to buy the streaming rights of the shows, and this really, I think, is a growing pain in terms of trying to transition between um, the old model to the new model. And I think that um, it's it's a matter of time. I think Netflix has worked very hard to get us um, 
global rights for shows. Uh, for example, I mean, I think the library here in Hong Kong has grown considerably since it started. Um, I mean, we're even getting um, we can start get Bollywood films now, and we got yeah. so so you know it, it's it's really a matter of time. Sometimes there's so much entertainment out there. I mean, just you know a bit of a wait. I I I, I think it will be okay, Paul. Well, sooner is better than later for me, but uh, I, I do want to try and support this stuff as much as possible. It's just, it is frustrating when there doesn't seem to be, you know, it's like for some of the stuff, it's not available on uh, DVD or, or Blu-ray because it's kind of caught, you know, in this in this weird contractual thing. And I, for, for me, I don't know where this stuff goes. I mean, may, I'm, I, I tend to agree. I think it's probably going to, go on you know tvb but when and how i, I have no idea because we've cut the cable so i really have no idea when this stuff if you know it's airing maybe i'll see it as a poster in the mtr or some kind of advertisement but uh, thus far none of the previous seasons of dragon's race to the edge have shown up yet i think they only have the first and second movie available and a couple of the short uh, specials that they release you know, as like the DVD extras and stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I keep ca- crossing my fingers, and I do appreciate the form letter response that I did get from Netflix, but uh, it was uh, it was not exactly what I was hoping for. But uh, I guess that's the power of the internet these days, right? Uh, it's just a new kind of email. If, if we're talking about um, um, these these global streaming things by the way uh even amazon uh amazon prime or amazon video has started to make some of their original shows um available worldwide um the the idea is that you can watch while you're away from home if you're like on a on a, on a trip or something and you're a prime member you can watch certain shows um while you're abroad that includes the man the high castle uh so mostly these are all the original shows so it's like the kids shows um free of their their pilots from last year uh, Man the High Castle, not a big, big, you know, number of shows. Um, I still need a VPN to get in uh, for for the rest of the content, uh, but you know, at least they're trying. So yeah. that's another step. Yeah. All right. Our next bit of news is related to a um, kind of odd strategy that happened here in the past week or so, where we had a pretty intensive, long-running fire. Uh, my understanding is this: this was at like a storage facility that was on multiple levels of a building so for those of you living stateside you know these kind of like store all places where you buy a bay or you rent a bay and you store all your crap there right same kind of idea except this was apparently on multiple levels and they're all sectioned and sealed off fire breaks out and stuff inside is burning Um, and because it's compartmentalized it was very very difficult for the firefighters to get in and and get control of this so this took you know a couple days and then a couple firefighters actually died and it was um i think the first one who died i don't remember his name but it was pretty tragic because a very young guy's got like a new baby and um, you know it's just sad when you see something like this happening so kevin you have some news about some local artists who came out in support and that support kind of backfired on them Yes. Um, what happened was that after the fire was extinguished, um, it seems like Eric Zung had this grand idea to pull together all, all his uh, starry friends, including Andy Lau and Jackie Chan and, and essentially any Hong Kong stars they could find. And each of them would post a, a, a photo 
of them holding a cell phone and it says, uh, um, we salute to our uh, firefighters on the front line and take a selfie. And apparently all these photos would, would gather up into a, a, a music video of some kind. Uh, what does it do? Nothing. It doesn't raise any money. It's just essentially just them going, we support the firefighters. It's like, you know, we support the troops kind of thing. Mm. Um, and it's backfired pretty badly because netizens um, are are angry that you know, a lot of these stars, they, they, they tend to pay more attention to the mainland market these days. And suddenly they came out, could come out and they, they, they you know, essentially say the um, equivalent of we're all going to be okay kind of thing, right? Like, what, what is the point of it? That's what they're asking. The point is, it seems like they're trying to steal the spotlight while people are still grieving over these firefighters. You guys are coming out and stealing the spotlight and trying to make it about you guys, right? So so a lot of uh, netizens are ambassing. They're not saying that it's wrong to salute the firefighters. But first of all, everyone is still asking why did the two firefighters have to die um, in a fire that didn't involve any bodily, you know, that didn't risk any bodily harm to anyone. It was a, it was a, a empty facility, right? So a lot of people were asking why, how they're still trying to find the, uh, the, the, the causes of the fire, um, and 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 you know, and and yet these these celebrities come out and trying to you know steal the spotlight, and try to make it about them. So that's why a lot of, uh, and I and I'm inclined to agree. I'm saying like you guys aren't even raising money for anything, so. You guys aren't making this charity thing. You guys are making it about stars showing that they care about firefighters. And it's like, I'm sorry, like, do we have to, do you need to, to, to do something to show that you care about firefighters? Like, shouldn't you care about firefighters every day without a fire even? So it's like, it was a very odd, odd campaign to begin with. And, and it's sort of backfired in terms of a, a PR move. So I, I don't know, Paul, what do, what do you think? You know, I'm, I'm inclined, like I said, I, I, I think that, the stars uh, didn't need to do this. Yeah, it just seems like an odd move. I mean, I could have understood if they were, like, gathering it for a sort of We Are the World-style video that would then go on to be used to raise money, you know, for the families of the of the two fallen firefighters or for firefighters in Hong Kong in general. I, I remember seeing uh, there was a, a post on Facebook, I think, which showed a... Hong Kong police officer, uh, kind of like the, the the way the camera was angled, it looked like he was like running from the fire scene, <laughs> and a Hong Kong firefighter running to the fire scene, and then they posted the the starting the, salary the salaries for each of these, and and the the firefighter salary is like considerably lower than the Hong Kong police officer salary. So they were you know they were trying to make a sort of ironic point, and I'm not here to to criticize local police officers at all for the job they do um or anything but i you know it's it the point is not lost that these guys rush into a fire that as you said was not you know no lives were being involved i think the only thing that was really of concern was the building damage and uh the idea that they you know a couple people lost their lives doing this you know that's their job and you know, just calling into question the nature of the kind of work they do and hazard pay and all of this. And then you have artists coming on board and and saying, you know, yeah, we support you, but we're not really going to do anything. Um, well, you know, there's, there's this whole idea in Chinese, like, you know, we, we it's a, what we call, this is what we call white business. You know, like, it's a funeral business. Right? Like, we're trying to grieve here. And it suddenly becomes a celebration mm. of firefighters. It's like, it's supposed to be grieving, and yet you guys are celebrating something. Like, it's it's really odd. It's not like... 
it's not like support the troops, right? It's not like, oh, you guys are fighting a war. You guys need to be cheered on. It's like, you guys already, they already extinguished the fire, y'all. Like, it's fine. We pay, like, why do we have to wait? Why are we paying tribute to firefighters? That's the point. Like, they always support the fire, but why now? Why are we doing it today? You know, it's it's very odd. Why are we wait? Why why do we wait till a couple of them die before we say, "Oh, we support you"? Right? Like, it's yeah, it's, it's very, very much a, a sort of bandwagon time. kind of exactly. Thing, you know, so. exactly. All right. Well, uh, we do have some actual film news, though. Uh, Benny Chan is going to have a retrospective. Yes, yes. So um, has a new film coming out uh, in August, uh, Call of Heroes, uh, which stars. And honestly, which film these days? Dude does not star Louis Koo. Um, and also has Star Wars. <laughs> Chinese films, fall. Chinese films. It seems almost seems like he's the only Hong Kong star out there. Actually, it, it is probably true. He is probably the only Hong Kong actor of his age that's getting he's like a monopoly. He's the Cathay Pacific of Hong Kong actors. Say, that's <laughs> fine. I like I love Cathay Pacific, so you know, I'm I'm cool with that. I I'm obligated to say I love Cathay Pacific too. But um Anyway, um, so 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 the film's coming out August fifteenth, and before then, um, the local theater, uh, the Sky, is going to hold a, a small retrospective of Benny uh, Chan's works. Now, this includes The White Storm, his more re- most recent film. Uh, also includes Invisible Target, the the film with uh, J C Chan and Nicholas Say and Sean Yu. It also includes Divergence, which has the legendary backwards car crash with Aaron Clark. Um but actually the ones I'm the one that I'm most excited about is on July sixteenth when the newly remastered high definition uh version of Big Bullet screens publicly for the first time. Um the film has been released actually on uh Warner Archive uh DVD which I own. But um this is the first time it seems like the first time this this H D print is going to be screened for an audience in a in a cinema. Does this uh, maybe mean a a Blu-ray version in the near future? That would piss me off because I spent so much effort trying to get this Warner Warner archive. I wonder if, if Warner just lent the print to, to Golden Harvest. Uh, that could be a possibility because Golden Harvest doesn't have the right to the film. Well, they have the right to the film, but they can't show it because Warner holds the rights to it. So even if there's such a thing as a... If they had created a high-def def print, they wouldn't be able to release it or screen it. Well, because, correct me if I'm wrong because I think we had... A discussion like this last year prior to the release of the Warner stuff but was it Ross or somebody was saying that there was actually a what looked like a high definition version floating around on the interwebs of pedicab driver or was it another film that I was thinking about Warner also released that film on DVD actually yeah, yeah. they also did they also did the high def uh, print of that film right um, but there's not an official commercial version on blu-ray yet no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, and but there has been uh, high def versions of Golden Harvest films uh, been you know showing on the local local HD movie channels. Uh, for example, Twelve Nights. I saw Twelve Nights in high def, which I've never seen that film in, uh, on high def. Right? I mean, DVD is barely functional. Um, I, I have I've seen that film on uh, on the local local channel. There are a bunch of these '90s films that Golden Harvest still has the rights to, and they already made these high-def prints of it for local movie channels, but they, they're never going to release these on Blu-ray just because it's it apparently not worth it for them. Uh, but, um, as you know, last year, uh, uh, John Woo's A Better Tomorrow was remastered. Uh, 4K, new 4K remastered. Uh, it was it, it played in a, in a Shanghai Film Festival, it played at a Hong Kong Film Festival, and now it's coming out on Blu-ray next week. Mm. 
that new remaster print, and this is not a Fortune Star upscale. This is a proper 4K remaster done by an uh, Italian um, uh, a film lab that specializes in, in restoring films. So this is a, and, and it was supervised by John Woo, so it's a proper proper restoration. Yeah. Unfortunately, so I don't have a 4K TV. So. No, no, it's a regular Blu-ray, dude. It's oh, a is regular it? Blu-ray. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. It was a source from this 4K remaster print. I mean, the film was shot on 35 mil, and, and they made a 4K digital print which they can then you know downgrade to a 2k blu-ray so so that's what they're releasing now okay. it's just... very good very good yes. all right well some things to look forward to and if you can make it over to uh, hong kong in the near future you can check out the retrospective or you can see lewis in the coming film call of heroes which i think we'll be talking about in the not too distant future hopefully Speaking of films, why don't we take a short musical interlude and we'll come back to talk about this week's film. We're back to an East Screen film after a couple weeks of West Screen films. And that is Kidnap Ding Ding Don. Welcome back. Our film this week, Kidnap Ding Ding Don, a film from director Wilson Chin that kind of materialized out of nowhere. And even now I can find little information outside of a couple Chinese websites on this film. It's not listed yet over on uh, the Hong Kong movie database. It's also not listed over on ChineseMove.com, another uh, website that I often go to, which lists like all of the you know, films that are supposed to be out in, in the current year and, and the coming year. So uh, this film, I don't know, was it, do you know anything about this, Kevin? Was it a film that was shelved for a while or do you have any backstory to share with us on this? I really, have, I mean, I don't recognize any of the car- uh, the companies that invested in this film. Um, it seems like it might have been a very quick, quick, uh, uh, sh- you know, one of those quick shoot that was shot over like two weeks and it just released very quickly. Um, I think it sneaked in the summer because uh, June was a very dry period um, for smaller films. I mean, you have the usual Hollywood stuff, but I think it kind of snuck in because they had no other competition. Um, but it seems like it might have been made for a while. Um, Yvonne, it was clearly trying to cash in Yvonne and Wong, right? And yeah. Alex Fong has this, had this whole new uh, workout with Alex uh, uh, thing last year uh, on Weibo. I think he was training for some uh, campaign, and, and that's when he did, that, did, did the whole muscle thing, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. But, so, so I think it was, might have been done late last year, it seems mm-hmm. like, okay. uh, from the shooting period. I'm not sure. But otherwise, I had no idea this film existed until it was announced late, early this month, I think, early yeah. June. Yeah. All right, well, the story itself uh, is kind of an odd one. When a young man awakes at the apparent scene of a kidnapping with amnesia, he's told by a strange girl named Ding Ding, played by Ivana Wong, that he is, in fact, her kidnapper, though he has no memory of this. Um, And so he decides to let her go, but to stick by her in the hopes that his memory will return. As the two become close, Ding Ding asks him, in fact, to help her stage a fake kidnapping so that her indifferent father will take notice of her. But instead, he decides to try and help the two reconcile. 
Um, that's probably the most coherent aspect of the plot that I can provide because really this movie um, goes in quite a few different directions. It's really almost like a bunch of different set pieces thrown together. Many of the set pieces themselves don't really have anything to do with the overall plot. Um, those are sort of two book-ended sections that uh, they, they, they put all this other stuff in, in between for. So Wilson Chin, perhaps better known for his semi-sexy Lan Kwai Fong films, here he's going pretty much the straight, fairly standard rom-com route. Um, so a very typical Hong Kong romantic comedy on the Category 2 scale. Um, they do bring in Cabby Hoy to, you know, show a little bit of skin, but no, no nudity or anything like that. Just she's kind of the, um, you know, the, the third person in the love triangle that uh, they try and push off really only in one scene. Um, <clears throat> as Kevin was alluding to, though, Alex does give off some beefcake moments. He has a, a, a sort of slow motion shower scene where he decides to go outside and take a shower with a hose with his jeans on. But, you know, I guess whatever. Um, but yeah, he would, he was looking pretty buff in, in, in that sequence. So, um, kudos to him for, you know, keeping in shape when he needs to. The, um, I guess the other thing to note too, is that, uh, he and Steffi apparently broke, broke it off earlier this year. That was sort of the big, uh, go-to news. They'd been a couple, I thought they were married for some reason. But I guess they've been a couple for close to going on 10 years or so. At right. least since 2010 when they became publicly known. And um, <clears throat> so they broke things off um, at the start of this year. And that was, you know, sort of sort of big gossipy news. This film, though, I would say um, because he's co-starring with Ivana, um, Ivana, for me... Um, she works in comedic roles, and they kind of use her that in, in, in that way here. Um, and I'm not really sure she has the same level of chemistry that Alex tends to have with um, the Steffi films that he's done over the years. It still kind of works in some of, the, some of the scenes for me. I mean, I still kind of felt a connection for them, but not a really super strong one. Um, because they are sort of an odd pairing. In, in, in some ways the um, but much of like the film itself as Kevin was saying was shot on the cheap I mean a lot of the scenes are small scenes between two or three characters done in very closed sets that are supposed to be you know these um, small houses these small rooms sometimes there is a funny sequence um, about a third of the way into the film where when they get this idea to do the kidnap um, they decide to make these kidnap videos and uh, they do two or three different versions with which are res respective of a couple different genres and they one ends up coming out like a horror video one ends up coming out like a music video and they're pretty funny except they kind of break the rule of thirds because they do like four or five and it does kind of go on for a little bit too long um there's also an extended argument scene, so you bring in some supporting. You have qu quite a list of supporting characters um, as well. Ben Hoy, uh, Mimi Chu, and Elena Kong are here, Bob Lam, uh, among others. And they are the residents of this village that is um, supposedly in Saigon. And Ben Hoy is a fishball vendor, and uh, Mimi Chu and Elena Kong are sisters. They're like the low local 
uh, gossips of the the area and so when they see Alex Fong's character kind of showing up they you know kind of just barge in and become all gossipy and, and nosy into what's going on but um, they're all having a sort of a, a dinner gathering at one point later and uh, Bob Lamb who plays Alana Kong's husband you know doing kind of his normal shtick he's wearing a wig and trying to um, you know just act nonsensical in some ways um, but they have this sort of long drawn out argument about you know they're going to get divorced or something and it's really shot very weirdly because you can see people walking by the windows outside and at first I thought are those just you know normal people walking by because sometimes when they film Hong Kong stuff out on the street you'll see people who are not part of the film like looking directly into the camera watching the film being made from afar and I thought you know are those just you know people walking by but then no people are actually looking in the window at what's going on at the argument and I'm like no those got to be extras right those can't just be onlookers they wouldn't they wouldn't do that kind of you know close-up of these uh, strangers um but it's just a really long sequence that uh, doesn't work. So some of the sequences work. So they have some humor. Some are, are kind of hit or miss. Uh, didn't really work that well for me. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief with this kind of comedy, though, because certain things occur that go along with the plot, but they just don't make sense. Um, there's a big part that there's a character reveal, because you never really know who Alex Fong is. They kind of keep that a secret until the end. Um, but once you get an idea of his identity, it, it's kind of weird to think that nobody would be, you know, looking for him. You know, nobody would be missing him in a sense. So I don't want to say too much more about that because I don't want to sort of spoil the reveal. And, and they do kind of have a, an interesting way that they go about that reveal. Um, they try to keep it within the, the sort of romance genre, as it were. Um, so, yeah, they bring in the Cabby Hoy as the stewardess next door. Who shows up as sort of a romantic rival for Ivana and uh, that goes on for about a scene and they do something with her that I've seen done in other movies where you know they're trying to show that the girl who's you know a stewardess and kind of uh, looking like a pseudo model very very attractive may not be the best girl for you um, they, they have a certain kind of plot gag that they use it's not very original it works okay in the context of of what they do with it though um, in a normal year I would say that this is very much a throwaway film but in such a dry year as we're having this year and in 2016 I kind of found myself coming out of the theater uh, liking this more than I thought I would it's certainly not a great film by any standards but it's not terrible was the main thing I was thinking coming out of it um, I think I liked it a lot better than the one Ivana did last year with um it was produced by patrick kong what was that uh undercover detect or love detective i think it was was that one um i ended up liking this one better than that one um in part it it felt you know the the gags felt a little bit more controlled um not quite as over the top and and um in, in what they were trying to go for last year so and i i like the supporting cast really more than anything ben's hoy and elena kong are uh, Mimi Chu, they're always great. Um, they do have one issue with uh, Emily Kwan playing Juliana, who is supposedly an Indonesian slash Thai domestic helper slash maid, I guess. 
And I, I think she's done this kind of role before. And it's the equivalent of blackface, basically, where they've got her kind of all tanned out on makeup, which I, I know that uh, the idea of being PC in Hong Kong is very far afield. It's not something that is in the consciousness of filmmakers over here. And I'm not saying it should be, but it still does rub my politically correct sensibilities a little bit the wrong way. Um, I'd be interested to see what Kevin has to say about that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a film I'd say you need to rush out and see. There are some nice shots of Hong Kong uh, that I think they're supposed to be Saigon, but I'm, that's where the film is supposed to, most of it's set. But um, I'm not sure if that's exactly where they were because um, I've been to Saigon a few times. I didn't really recognize the area. But it's a nice sort of rural uh, part of um, Hong Kong that you don't always get to see. You know, it's not Kowloon, it's not Mang Kok, it's not Hong Kong Island. Um, and the cinematography in, you know, that they were doing for some of the shots was actually pretty good. So um, overall, yeah, I, I think it was good. There's a really funny gag at the end in the credits where they're doing some outtakes and things. And um, they, they, they do a shot of Alex, and he's getting ready to do sort of the end of movie greeting and he starts to do a Chinese New Year greeting and they say no 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 this is not going to be a Chinese New Year film and he's like oh really when is it going to come out and, and I'm pretty sure he says it's going to it's going to come out on Tomb Sweeping Day like Qingming Festival and he says something like oh it'll make more money or there'll be more people or something because it's a it's a better holiday somehow um, and that I think was one of the better actual laughs even though it was in the outtakes um, so yeah not a great film overall not one you need to rush out and see but uh, you know if it comes your way it's uh, worth a laugh if you like rom-coms kevin man i did not care for this movie no it was it was you know a lot of random jokes and it relied on a lot of lazy script cliche it wasted a ton of time trying to like introduce each character to these unnecessary background and and it was really frustrating by the time you're like 20 minutes in and you're still like in this, this, this voiceover guy who was out of nowhere still introducing characters. Um, yeah, it was, it was really annoying. Um, I only laughed a few times at most. Um, the, the, the kidnapping video sequence, I laughed maybe once or twice and they kept going and going. It didn't end. And yeah, like you said, the, the whole dinner scene, really odd. It's just, yeah, the whole thing is, annoyed me in its own very like, and a, a very like they think it's more amusing. It, it amuses the filmmakers more than it amuses us, kind of way. Um, and like you were saying, the the, the Julieta is it her name? Julieta, Juliana. Yeah. The Juliana character again. It's just really bad, bad blackface ish kind of depiction. I have no idea why anyone would laugh at that. And you do the shame on you. Um, yeah, the whole movie just rubbed me the wrong way, and it's it's just you know the typical. I know that Hong Kong, you know, it's a local film industry to keep going, but we can't keep producing crap like this. This is why we get looked down on all the time. This is why no one cares about us anymore because we keep producing crap like this. Um, so it's yeah, it was a really frustrating watch for me. Even though I have to admit, the screening we went to, uh, we had Sesso and and Ivana show up and give a little stage greeting after the film. Um, and that was the only really uh, tolerable part of the film, and plus that gag at the end with Alex going, you know, happy. I, I really did laugh at that. Um, but yeah, it was. And and the other thing is, it does have some of the better drone shots I've seen in a Hong Kong movie uh, in some time because um, other drone shots. And I think I complain about this that they really put they put really sh- crappy 
camera on on drones in Hong Kong films, and for some reason they finally put a proper one here, and and it looks like a real proper drone shot for once. So that's the possibly the only compliment I have for the film that you know, with no no sarcasm and no like but whatever whatsoever, just you know, nice drone shots, guys. Yeah, yeah. I I really did get the sense that they had an idea, you know, because they start out with this this premise that okay this guy wakes up in a room and there's a girl tied up and you know he has amnesia and she says that he kidnapped her and then they do a bunch of other gags in between before they kind of get back to that whole thing of what happened that night and the sort of the the resolution at the end it sounded it it sounds like they had you know the writer the scriptwriter had the idea for that plot those two points and then they just pulled whatever they could, you know, out of their butt to try and fill in <laughs> the middle parts. Because a lot of that just, it just doesn't make a lot. Like, the whole, there was a, there's this whole thing with Ben Toy's character. He's this fishball vendor, and he's got this daughter, this adult daughter played by Alicia Chan, Chan Yun Hang, I think. And she just treats him like dirt. She's, like, going off to get married. He, she doesn't, she says, you know, you can't come to the wedding, and... You know, he's basically raised her as a single parent by selling fish balls, and and she hates him now because of that. And it's just like, it's it's a very sort of one note, you know, kind of thing that you're not supposed to like this character, and she's just there to sort of throw contrast to the relationship between um, the Ivana Wong character and her father, Mr. Ding, played by uh, Sex Sal, right? Um, and and that kind of works, but then they never go back for any kind of resolution with his character, right? It's like they never, you know, really get to a point of saying, well, he reconciles with his daughter, or, you know, she just goes off and he never sees her again. It's just, you know, it's just like these points that are just uh, left hanging in, in, in many cases. Um, and a lot of it just, like I said, felt like they were just trying to build filler to get to that later part because that's what they had the idea for more than anything else so um yeah it's uh, you know like i said in in a normal better year of films to this point i probably would not have liked it so much but since we haven't had a local film for a number of weeks uh i was uh i was okay though i'm kind of mad that i didn't get out to the screening you guys were at and get to see uh ivana and and sexel Sesso is like my celebrity celebrity sighting of the year, man. Sesso. Seriously. (laughs) You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. You have been listening to the Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Dupour of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily except for this movie, uh, Love Hong Kong Film and the Hong Kong Movie Database. But we do get a tremendous amount of support from listeners like you. If you would like to get in touch with us, be a part of the show, please do so. You can find us over at the website that is Kongcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com at Kongcast. You can email us, eastscreen at gmail.com. You can also catch us over on Facebook, uh, East S, West S, 
and we would love to hear from you. And please, if you write to us, you know, uh, tell us, you know, who we are. Tell us that you listen to us. Don't just ask for an interview and ask if it's appropriate because you've never actually listened to the show. I've actually gotten a couple of these kind of form emails through our contact channel in recent weeks where people want to like come on and they're, they're really nothing related to movies uh, at all. They're just kind of promoting themselves or they're promoting a client. And it's so apparent that they don't actually listen to the show. They don't actually know who we are. They're just kind of like spamming um, the, these, this, this information through the contact channel. But, you know, if you are a regular listener, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you've seen a movie that we've talked about in the past and you liked it or you didn't like it, if you saw the Warcraft movie, which we talked about last time and you thought it was terrible, you know, drop us a line, let us know, or catch us over on the Facebook page and, you know, start up a conversation over there because we love to, you know, have some interaction, some back and forth with you guys. I also urge you to get in touch with Kevin, follow along with what he's doing, especially in the, the world of writing and film stuff. So, Kevin, where can they find out more about what's up with you? Well, you can uh, catch my writing uh, every month on uh, Discovery Magazine and Silk Road Magazine, which you can get on your Cathay Pacific and Dragonair flights or Cathay Dragon flights. Um, the July issue is coming up, and I'm guessing this will go up after July. So you have uh, – I'm taking over – uh, the whole entertainment section, <laughs> the, all the columns this month. Um, the usual uh, column by Maggie Lee will be written by me. I have a, a column on uh, Barbershop and uh, the Malaysian film, The Kid from the Big Apple. I also have a uh, World Film Club uh, article about The Lobster. Um, and, yeah, and all the usual stuff, the listings and all that stuff are there. You can uh, read the articles on um, the Discovery app, which you can find uh, on the iPad App Store. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. I am at the Golden Rock. That's one word, the Golden Rock. Or you can email me at thegoldenrock at gmail dot com. Unless you think that I'm being sensitive to firefighters, in that case, please email Paul. <laughs> yes, please email me. Um, all right, excellent. Uh, and speaking of film, I just want to throw out a quick recommendation. I just on sort of a random whim rented a film today because um, I have a pretty long commute to work called Midnight Special. I just kind of saw this pop up on iTunes. I knew nothing about it. Uh, this is directed by Jeff Nichols, starring Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton, Kristen Dunst, and um, Adam Driver. This is kind of just out, out of the left field science short, you know, science fiction themed uh, movie. Really good. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think uh, if you like science fiction, you like smaller kind of sci-fi, you know, not sort of big epic science fiction kind of stuff, but stuff that's a little bit smaller going under the radar, uh, check this movie out. It was not one that came over here in theaters. I think it hit a couple film festivals, as I remember seeing in, um, you know, the film's opening, but just kind of popped up on iTunes. I was like, what's that? I don't know. That looks kind of interesting. I looked at the trailer. And I was like, I got to watch this. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. I was uh, quite impressed with that. It, it is playing on, yeah, I watched this for the June cycle uh, of the Cathay Pacific uh in-flight film so yeah I've, I've known about and and it was playing in competition at berlin film festival so it's been in my radar for a while and yeah it was great and i i second that recommendation excellent all right so our next show is going to be episode 196 and um we don't have a lot we, we we've got like a bye week before we get slammed with a bunch of stuff including the big one cold war 2 um but we do have coming out this week the secret life of pets from the 
studio that has done uh, the, the Despicable Me films. And I've seen the trailer, and I, you know, I like animation, so I think this might be the one that we go with for our next episode, unless you know something secretly pops out and we decide to make a last-moment change. But all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen West Screen podcast saying, "I want my NTV," and we'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>